good morning, everyone. You can open up your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6 as we get started today. And I forgot my remote down here. But Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 through 10. And some of you may remember we did preach on this last week. But last week we preached on it with more of an aspect of mothers. And how mothers carry many burdens. Well, today we're going to be talking about carrying burdens. But we're going to be talking in more of a general sense of how we are to be carrying burdens. And as you're opening to Galatians chapter 6, I'd like to start with just an illustration that maybe some of you will remember. And I told somebody about this illustration yesterday, and, oh, I don't even remember who it was. But if you're out there, you can be listening for it. But does anybody remember? I thought about showing the video up front. I'm sorry, children are dismissed to children's church. I thought about showing the video up front for... The old TV commercial from the early 1990s, which had the catchphrase that has become a joke to many, Help! I've fallen and I can't get up. Help! I've fallen and I can't get up. Now, some of you might remember this commercial of a lady, an older lady, with a walker that has fallen in her bathroom on her floor, and she just screams out, Help! I've fallen and I can't get up. Now, I believe that's an actual picture from the TV commercial, and it's become a joke over the years as maybe it's a comic strip with a turtle on its back, stuck on its back, or a beetle or something, and it can't get up and needs help to get up. And we often forget where these things come from. You see, it didn't start out as a joke. It started out as a very real issue with senior citizens living in their homes who might live alone and they, they always have this risk of falling, hurting themselves, and not being able to get up. Now, that's not all senior citizens. Don't let me, don't let me offend you. I, I hope I don't. I don't mean to do that. I have a grandfather who's in his 90s, and he still goes on like three-mile walks every single day. I mean, he is more fit than I am. He could probably out, outrun me in a race, too. So that doesn't really matter, but, but here's the point. There was a company by the name of Life Call in the early 1990s that came up with this catchphrase, this slogan, this TV commercial, help, I've fallen and I can't get up, because they saw a need in society for people to have a way to call for help when they're stuck down and couldn't bring help to themselves. So they came out with this little device, a remote control, a button or a badge to wear around their neck or on their arm so that if they would fall, all they would have to do is push this button. It's like that easy button that I think Staples advertises. But it was a button to push. And immediately it would connect them with fire, firemen, paramedics, police officers to be able to get the help that they so desperately need. Now, uh, this company, Life Call itself, has kind of disappeared over the years. They forgot to push the button for help themselves. So they went out of business. But it was taken over by another company that I believe is called Life Alert. But it wasn't before this slogan, this catchphrase, became so popular that it's rumored, I don't know if this is true, but it's rumored that this catchphrase was even used by Saddam Hussein uh, after his defeat in the Gulf War. Now, that might just be a joke, but it's kind of funny. I can imagine this dictator, this leader, pushing this button. Help! I've fallen! I can't get up! As he realizes he's not getting up. So, here's the point 
to this little illustration, this little introduction. I feel that many Christians today have fallen and they can't get up. And God's word gives us instructions to be able to help people. You see, all of us at any part of, point in our life, we are always struggling with sin. We are either living by the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, or there's an alternative. There's one or the other. The alternative is we're giving in to the desires of the flesh. We're living by our fleshly desires instead of walking by the, by the Spirit as we should. Sin is a reality in the sinful, in, in the Christian's life, the sinful Christian's life. That's true too. You see, 1 John 1, 8, we read this. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. James 3, 2 says we all stumble in many ways. And that's true. We all stumble in many ways. And one of the one of the biggest problems we have in our life is we try and fix our lives ourselves. Instead of allowing God to fix our lives, and instead of allowing the people that God have placed in our lives to be able to help us. So today we're talking specifically about believers, though. We're talking about followers. We're talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. We're talking about family. Because we are all in the same family here as brothers and sisters in Christ. And we should be looking out for our family. If you see your brother, your physical blood relative brother falling, caught up in some type of problem, whether it be medical, physical, spiritual, mental problem, you want to go help him. I know of my own relatives who, who I can think back to the past, and they might live in the middle of the country, and yet you hear of a problem they're in, and you want to drive across the country to help them. Yet too often our own spiritual brothers, you hear of their problems and we're not willing to step five feet away and ask them, how can I help you to get through this? Here's my main theme for today. You see, we're talking about the spirit-led, how spirit-led believers must recognize and execute the practical responsibilities of the household of faith. Maybe that's a little bit of a tongue twister. I just realized that as I said it, but I think it's powerful because it illustrates to us how we all, if you're a believer in Christ, if you have a spirit in you, you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility to walk by that spirit. And as you are led by that spirit, you have a responsibility to recognize and execute your responsibilities to all of the household, to your brothers and sisters. You have a responsibility to them, to help them. One pastor said this, and it might be a little blunt, but he said this. It is not about the sins. Let's see, did I put it up there? No, I didn't. He said this. It is not about the sins of, believer, of unbelievers that Christians should have the greatest concerns. When the unsaved have commit a sin, they are simply expressing their unredeemed natures. You see, we shouldn't be surprised when the unredeemed, the, the unbelievers, sin. Because that is their life. That is, that is the, who they've committed their life to. They have yet to commit their life to God. We should expect it. That doesn't mean that we don't care. That doesn't mean that we don't desire for them to come to know the Lord and turn away from those evil desires of the flesh. That doesn't mean that we don't desire for them to live with hope. But when you hear of a Christian brother who is caught up in a sin, who is struggling with following after God, your heart should break as you know that they know better. 
they know better and they're turning away from the very God who not only created them, who loved them so much to send a Savior, His own Son, to die for them, but they're turning away from the very God who gives them hope to be able to get through their problem. We need to care about our brothers so much that we help them. We go to them and we care for them. So without further ado, let's read today. And if you could, let's stand as we read today. I haven't been doing that lately, but Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 through 10. I'll have it up on the screen for you here as well. <clears throat> we read this. Brothers. Notice that word, brothers. Paul is speaking to his brothers, not physical brothers, but spiritual brothers. Some translations say brothers and sisters in Christ. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially, notice that, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Thank you. You may be seated. I believe that the catchphrase, I have fallen and I can't get up, is the cry of many weak and hurting Christians today. You see, the world itself is not just carrying burdens and struggling and hurting, but believers, your, your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ are hurting as well. And if you remember last week's message, you may remember that we discussed the differences between carrying burdens and carrying a load, because there is a difference. We all carry loads, but burdens are extra heavy loads which people often struggle to carry on their own. They, it's difficult for them to carry on their own, and they need help. Whereas the load does not carry with it the same meaning of great difficulty. It's your own responsibilities that you have, whether it be physical responsibilities, uh, spiritual responsibilities, emotional, mental responsibilities. They're not burdens because they're things which you can handle on your own. Many Christians today, though, are not just carrying their own loads. But they're carrying many burdens which they need help with. Now, carrying burdens can be speaking of two different directions. It can speak of the carrying burdens that you're carrying for others, helping one another. Or it can speak of the carrying of burdens which you're not meant to carry on your own. And as you carry it on your own, kind of like that person in the picture on the screen, it's weighing you down. And the longer you walk with that on your own the more it pushes you down further and further and further into the ground. Or further and further and further, you might feel like you're drowning into a, uh, an endless depths of sea. Drowning and not knowing how to swim. 
But that's where we can reach down a lifeline, reach down an arm to help somebody up. They need someone to, to help carry the burden. Now we know that the Lord restores us and lifts us up. The psalmist says in Psalm 23, 3, he restores our soul. But I truly believe that the good shepherd, however, although he's powerful enough, nobody should doubt that, the good shepherd, our God, desires for us to help each other with this as well. You see, with how God restores us, mends us, strengthens us, comforts us, isn't just in his own strengths, but is in providing each other to be able to help us. We as spirit-led believers have a responsibility to join the shepherd in restoring one another. So to carry the burdens in our spirit-led life, we have this responsibility, and we can do this in three ways. We can pick them up, we hold them up, and we build them up. Pretty easy to remember, isn't it? As you think about this, as you think about your responsibility of spirit-led believers, responsibility to your brothers and sisters in Christ, we are to pick them up, hold them up, and build them up. Pick them up, hold them up, build them up. Pick them up, hold them up, build them up. As I was writing this, I found myself chanting it. And I thought, let's just say it together. I'm not going to make you sing it. But on the count of three, let's just say it. One, two, three. Pick them up, hold them up, build them up. Pick them up, hold them up, build them up. Oh, great. I wasn't sure if you'd do that with me or not. But I think it's such a catchy thing, isn't it? Pick them up, hold them up, build them up. All of us in our life has somebody around us, believer or not, but it does say especially to the believers, the household of the faith, we need to be picking him up. We need to be holding him up. We need to be building him up. We all have somebody in our life that needs you to do one of these three things or all of these three, three things. Maybe you know of somebody. Right now you're thinking of somebody that is falling. They're caught. They're drowning. They need picked up. Maybe they've already been picked up. They've already been saved from whatever transgression, whatever sin they were stuck in. But maybe somebody, maybe yourself failed them because you didn't continue to hold them up. And they're still struggling. Or maybe you picked them up and you held them up. But maybe you never built him back up. You see, it's an easy thing to remember. It's an easy chant. It's an easy life lesson to live by. But we should be living by it, not just remembering it, not just thinking it. But we need to pick him up. We need to hold him up. We need to build him up. You see, in order to do this, though, we do have two responsibilities. Two responsibilities. And I should have wrote these on the screen. I did not. First... We have a discipline to remember to ourselves. And this is a continuation of what we spoke of in chapter 5. Living by the Spirit and not according to the sinful desires of the flesh. And as mentioned in the previous chapter, and as reinforced in this chapter, our first discipline is re we ourselves must be careful to not also be drawn into the sin as we help somebody else. As we carry the burdens of others, we must be careful not to be drawn into sin ourselves. That's number one, our, our discipline, our responsibility to ourselves is that. Number two, we also must be sure that how we respond to an individual is in a spirit-led way. 
Dr. J. Vernon McGee gave a good illustration of this, a great story as I was researching this week. He shared a story of an alcoholic, a drunkard who was alcoholic for years, drunk for years, and he struggled, he struggled and struggled. Somebody finally picked him up, and he came to know the Lord through leaving alcoholism. And maybe it was the Lord who helped save him from it. Well, he was saved, and God, years later, called him to ministry, and he became a pastor. Well, years later, so now we're probably talking 15, 20 years later, this man who was once an alcoholic, once a drunkard, had been serving the Lord through preaching and through carrying the burdens of his flock, and eventually these burdens took over. The stress got to him. And you know why? It's because he was carrying all the burdens on himself instead of remembering that he needs to share the burdens with the entire household of faith. But here's the point. One night, they took over. He went to the bar, and he got drunk. The next day, he realized what he did, and the guilt just completely covered him. Covered him so much that he went to his deacons. He called an emergency meeting that night. And he, he asked the Lord for forgiveness. He surrendered it to God. And, but he was so taken over by the guilt that he called an emergency meeting with his deacons. And he gave his resignation to them. Now, at this point, you can kind of imagine the scene as these deacons are surrounding this pastor who just admitted that he went to the bar last night and he got drunk. And here's my resignation. I do not deserve to serve God anymore in this position as pastor as elder, as leader to this church. And as you can imagine the scene unfolding in front of you, you may think of these deacons and all the thoughts that are going through their head. What should we do? Our pastor has failed us. Now, Dr. J. Vernon McGee agrees with this story, and I do too, that the deacons responded in a spirit-led way of they refused to accept the man's resignation. Now, maybe that takes you by shock a little bit. But although the pastor had given in to a desire of the flesh, he had given it to the Lord and he had asked forgiveness for his sin. He was willing to accept responsibility for the con and, and consequences for his actions. But the deacons, they focused on picking him up. They focused on holding him up. They focused on building him up. You see, the number one thing we need to do after catching somebody in a sin, an act of transgression, is spirit-led believers, as spirit-led believers, we need to pick up and restore the fallen brother caught in sinful action by first helping him to recognize their sinful action. Now, this pastor, he had already done this. He had already been picked up on his own or by God, by the Holy Spirit convicting him. He was already restored to God and asked forgiveness, but now he needed restored to himself through his guilt, through his problems. Number two is this. Once he has been picked up and restored in a way to recognize the sin, he must next be encouraged to confess the sin before God and then turn away from it. Again, this man had already done this. He was turning away from this sin, this action. This action was a one-time occurrence. It wasn't, I've been a drunk for years, I've been hiding it. So they picked him up. They held him up. They built him up. They picked him up in a spirit-led way of meekness, gentleness, kindness. They did not allow him to turn in his resignation. That would not have helped to restore him. That would not have helped to restore the church. 
That would have just focused on his brokenness. That would have just tore him apart more. That would have torn apart the church, church more. And I'm sure that pastor was fully willing to come into the church that day and admit his guilt before the entire church as well. It's not that they were trying to hide the sin. Not at all. But the church leaders focused on helping him to move forward. Move forward in a way which glorifies God. But looking at people's actions today, we at times are so focused on tearing somebody down, or we, we're so focused on how they've fallen, that we fail to see how can we help them be picked back up. And again, somebody in your life might need picked up right now. Maybe you've been ignoring a problem because you don't know how to help them. You just need to go over to them and pick them up by the word of God and by prayer. Pick them up. Hold him up. Build him up. Or maybe we think we are picking him up, but we fail to abide by the instructions of the Holy Spirit. As we read today in Galatians 6, we fail to pick him up in a way of gentleness and meekness. Or maybe we do pick them up, as I said before, though, we fail to see the process all the way through. We pick them up. And then we throw him back at the wolves of, the, of society of the world and just expect himself to hold himself up on his own. We need, after we pick somebody up, to continue to hold him up. We need to see him all the way through until they are restored to right spiritual health. Galatians 6 also says, be watchful that we too are not tempted. Be watchful. Be watchful. But what you notice, it doesn't say be watchful on yourself lest you too do not be tempted. And so do not help anybody. It goes on to say to bear the burdens of others. Carry the burdens of others. We must be watchful. But this does not mean that we avoid helping God's people. Be watchful. Be watchful as we glorify God through helping one another. Through bearing the burdens of those around us especially to those of the household of faith. This is our spirit-led responsibility. Our spirit-led responsibility to listen to the spirit, abide by the spirit, and allow the spirit to work in our lives. But back to scripture. Galatians 6.1, let me read this again and point out a few more things. Galatians 6.1 says this, Brothers... Brothers, we already spoke of, this means he is speaking to fellow believers in the household of the faith. Brothers, if anyone is caught, it's another big word, caught, in any transgression, sin, act, sinful action against God and his word, his ways, his law, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Make sure you're walking by the spirit yourself. Make sure you're strong. Keep watch on yourself. Lest you too, you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. Notice that word caught. You see this does not mean that we are to always be on the lookout to catch people. I've known some believers that way. I know some Christians that way. And, and it's a shame that they're always just looking for flaws to point out in people. I don't think that's what this means. Now, it's a natural thing in our life, and we should be keeping watch for believers to make sure that if they are falling down, if they are getting caught in traps, that we're there to pick them up, hold them up, and build them up. We're there to point out the, the fallacy of their ways, their problems, but we do it 
by the spirit of gentleness. But here's the thing. I think that as we speak of the word caught, it points out that any of us spirit-filled believers may be caught in a trap as we walk by the spirit. Any of us at any time could be caught in a trap. Think about it this way. Many hunters, fox hunters would say, they put out traps to catch that fox by. Now, as that fox is prowling around, walking around the yard, do you think that fox sees that trap and says, ooh, a trap, I'm going to jump in it and get caught. No, the fox gets caught. Unexpectedly, he gets caught, and then as he's caught in this trap, he needs help to get out of it. The same way happens for us as believers. We may be walking by the Spirit, and then a temptation arises. A lustful thought arises. A drink arises. Something arises that takes us away from walking by the Spirit. A conflict arises. A disagreement arises. Whatever it is, something comes into your life that lures you away from walking by the Spirit. And if you're walking away and God's saying, no, 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 don't go. Walk by me. Walk by me. Walk by the Spirit. We find ourselves caught. We find ourselves stuck in a trap. We didn't do it on purpose. Now, in some cases, we will. Sometimes it's willful sin, willful action. We know the right way to go, but other times it just happens. And when that happens, sometimes we need help. We need spirit-led believers to give into the responsibility to God and to others of the household of faith to help one another, to bear the burdens of one another. Our reaction should be God-glorifying, though, and spirit-led. And as we look to, to pick this person up, or as we read the word to restore him in verse 1, we do it in a way which promotes healing and growth. You see, the word restore means to mend or to repair. And it was used in such a way as repairing or setting a bone. So you think of a broken bone, now it needs set. It needs repaired it needs mended, or maybe it's an open wound that's bleeding uncontrollably, and it needs mended. It needs put it back into a rightful place to where it can heal. We must be careful that as we pick up individuals, as we pick them up and restore them, we do it in a way which promotes healing, and not in a way which makes an injury worse, or causes the injury to open up more and the person to bleed out. Maybe you've been there before. Maybe you've, you've thought you're helping somebody by pointing out their sin. By pointing out the way they're living is not glorifying God. The way they're living is not helping them or anybody around them. But maybe the way we pointed it out was like seeing that wound, seeing that broken arm, and snapping it more and making it broken more instead of helping to mend it and point them in the right direction. That Here's how you get through this. You need to turn to God. You need to give it to God. You need to go into his word. You need to pray to him. You need to accept God's help. Or maybe you were that person. Maybe you yourself needed mended, but maybe it was the fact that you were not, not able to accept the help. You were not humbled. We need to be humbled and accept the help of our one another's, our fellow believers. Romans 15.1 says... That we who are strong ought to bear the witnesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 says to admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, and help the weak. Be patient with all 
men. When the scribes and the Pharisees brought to Jesus the woman caught in adultery, he was not interested in destroying her, but picking her up and restoring her. And he did tell her in the end to go and sin no more. But he pushed away the others and said, you who are without sin, throw the, fir the first stone. We too should not be looking to destroy someone caught up in sin, but we need to look to the law of love and help to restore them. Mend or repair the brokenness in a way that, that causes health and growth and healing. All spiritual brothers and sisters can sin. We can all stumble. We must ask God to help us to not be searching out these fallen brothers in a way which destroys them. But we need to ask God for his help, his wisdom, to be able to comfort them and lead them to a way of repair which draws them into the presence of God. You see, although we stumble, we are never too far away from being healed. Galatians 6, 2, well first, Luke 9, 56 says, The Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Galatians 6, 2 then, moving on, says this. Thought I had it here. Maybe I don't. Bear one another's burdens. Bear one another's burdens. Hold him up. As we bear one another's burdens, as we walk over to that person carrying their own burdens, and we bear them with him, we're lifting him up. We're holding him up. We're preventing him from falling further. This is our second responsibility. John MacArthur, in a quote, said this. It is immediately after a spiritual victory that Satan often, often makes his severest attacks on God's children. And that right there is why we need to be holding people up to prevent Satan from bringing them back down. We must hold each other up, pointing each other to the power that we have in God, his word and the spiritual armor of God that we have in a way to prevent Satan from drawing them back down, tearing the believer back down. Pick them up, hold them up, build them up. The command to carry on, on or bear one another's burdens is a command which does not carry a specific amount of time either. It's something we do continually. We are always carrying one another's burdens and helping them throughout all of our life until we're in the presence of God. Where all of those things, the forever glorification presence of God, where then, then all those things that tempt us and lure us away will be gone. Christians are to be continually bearing or carrying the burdens of one another. And this means, again, some of us need to be humbled and accept help. Admit that we need the help of Christ, we need the help of God, and we need the help of our fellow brothers and sisters. God himself is the believer's ultimate source of strength, and prayer is one of the most powerful weapons that believers have in conquering their sinful desires or temptations. God himself is where our strength is. God himself is our refuge. But God uses all of us to be able to distribute that strength to us. James 5.16 says to confess sin to one another and to pray for one another. Together we help each other. We should be using one another more appropriately by guiding one another to God's power. And if we hold him up, we don't hold him up in our own power. We hold him up in the power of God. We hold him up in God's word and we hold him up in God's prayer. Moving on, though, we read in verse 3, 
For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But it, let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone, and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Now, this may seem a little out of place here, and especially as it talks about bearing your own load, and be careful, be cautious, be watchful, because you have to carry your own load. But as we talked last week, we do have to carry our own load, but that's our normal responsibility. That doesn't mean that we avoid carrying the burdens of others. We will all have our own loads to carry, but these are easily managed. We need to make sure we are picking up our brother, carrying the burdens of others. And if there's anything to boast in, it's as we think of our past, we think of what God has already saved us from. And as we think about what God has saved us from, we think about how can we glorify God by helping others who are struggling these very same things. We think about building others up. And as we think about this, verse 6, let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. There's some different interpretations of this. Most, most teachers, most preachers would talk about how this talks about the one who has taught is to go to the teacher and support him, share with him. And support him could be made financially, emotionally, physically. Supporting him through just sharing how, how this teaching has helped him. But I want to apply it in a different way. You see, I think God's holy word is both spiritually and morally excellent in the way that it builds each of us up together. So let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who, who we teach. Let us share together in the word. Let us share together in the teachings. And let us work together in the reading of God's word. Let us work together in prayer. And as we build one another up, we both will be blessed. We'll both be edified. The saints will be edified. And as we build one another up through the word of God and through prayer and reconnecting each other with God and his strength, the lost will be found. The one who is being taught and the one who is teaching can both benefit from having fellowship in God's word together. The Christian who has picked up and, and helped up a fallen brother also builds himself up in the word and finds good things in the worshiping the Lord together. God's word brings us together. As we pick them up, as we hold them up, as we build them up, we ourselves are picked up. We ourselves are held up, and we ourselves are built up. Galatians 6, 7 through 10, as we start to wrap up here, says this. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. You see, we think that we don't mock God. I mean, if you're in here today, I would hope that you're not purposely mocking God. But I think we mock God every single day as we try and control our lives in our own ways. As we try and depend on our own strengths. Or maybe we mock God every day when we walk away from Him. And you all know in the ways that you walk away from Him compared to how you should. But we also all see that in the end, that mocking does us no good. Because we will reap corruption for those things. There will be consequences for our sinful actions. 
But you also reap what you sow in a good way if you sow, if you reap to God. If you're spiritually led, spirit-led, you will reap eternal life. It goes on to say this, let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the house, household of faith. Let us do good. Do not grow weary of doing good. Allow God's word to do good in everybody's life around you each and every single day. As I said before and as I wrap up, I think all of us have somebody in our life who might need picked up, held up, or built up. Who in your life today needs picked up, held up, or built up? Pick somebody up today. I heard another pastor speaking on this very scripture, and he said that we live often for tomorrow, failing to live for today. We often live too much for tomorrow, and we fail to live today. What are we missing in our lives today? I'm not just talking about the good things of we're missing our children who are growing up so fast around us, and we need to pay more attention to their life and to, their, to how we're bringing them up. But too often we live for tomorrow and we fail to live today by seeing the people who need picked up, held up, and brought up. Let's look to God today. Let's glorify God. Let's edify the saints and let's may the lost be found. Bring the lost to know the good news of Christ. Let's pick up our fellow believers. Don't just continue to allow them to be on the floor bleeding out, but pick them up. And restore them in a way which, which causes health, which causes healing. Build him up. Build him up through the word of God in prayer. In God's strength, all people can be found. All people can be healed. Let me pray as the worship band comes up to close us in song. Lord, we thank you for your word today, which is convicting to us as we think through the way we should be living, and often the way we should be living does not compare to the way we are living. I pray today that your word will be our closing thoughts, that may we not grow weary in doing good. Lord, may we every day look to glorify you in how we're living. May we look to our brothers, our sisters in Christ, to especially the household of faith, and may we look to pick them up, hold them up, and build them up. Pick them up, hold them up, and build them up. So that their lives and our lives and all of our lives together can glorify you. And Lord, we pray for the lost to be found. We pray for the lost to be found. In all things today, we pray that we glorify you. And it's in your holy and powerful name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Let's stand and let's thank God for his faithfulness.
I think there's another great reminder we have through that story that the late great Dr. J. Vernon McGee shared of the pastor that failed, and that's this. You see, all of us need to be watchful of ourselves. Even the pastor fails because we're all sinners. We're all humans, imperfect human beings. Even the pastor fails. You fail. We all need to be watchful of our lives, but we also all need to be humbled and accept help. So maybe today you're thinking, I failed. Don't try to carry your burden alone. Seek out and be restored through God and his strengths. Seek out and be restored through God's word and prayer. But also remember the great strengths that you have in being part of the household of faith. Having brothers and sisters in Christ who love you and want to be part of your life. We're not called to just come together today on a Sunday. We're called to impact each other's lives every single day for the glory of God. So if you need somebody to talk with today, reach out. If you need somebody to talk with tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whenever it is, reach out. And I'm going to speak for everybody, and it may be kind of blunt. Maybe it's midnight when you need to reach out. Maybe it's 1 a.m. when you need to reach out because that's when your mind goes out of control and it goes to places it shouldn't go. That's when you do actions by the, spirit, by the desires of the flesh and that are not honoring to God, they are not spiritually led. Well, I'm going to go as far to say, even at 1 a.m., reach out. Reach out. Most importantly, reach out to God, the giver of strength, the giver of knowledge, the giver of peace, the giver of comfort. But also reach out to a fellow believer so they can help carry your burden and they can help pick you up, they can help build you up, they can help hold you up. You're dismissed. Thank you.